Intrepid English podcast. My name's Lorraine, and today I'm interviewing the newest teacher to join the Intrepid English team, Juliana. Juliana tells us all about her experiences of studying, teaching, and she also has some really interesting and unusual hobbies. You can find the full video and a transcript on the Intrepid English website. Check out the episode notes below for the link. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, Juliana. How are you doing? Um, well, thanks for you, Lorraine. I'm really well, thanks, Juliana. Yeah, why don't you start by introducing yourself for us? Sure. So, hi, everyone. My name's Juliana. I'm a student and English tutor from Port Elizabeth, which is a small city on the coast of South Africa. Um, fun fact about me, my parents are originally from Uganda, which is a country east coast of Africa. Um, I was born and raised in South Africa, but I can um, understand the native language in Uganda, which is called Luganda. I just don't speak it very well. Um, and I'm currently doing my master's in geographical information systems, which sounds pretty complicated, but it really is. And it's just um, dealing with creating maps. And I just started teaching with Intrepid English, <laughs> which is also exciting. I uh, just joined the team and yeah, that's what I just about. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much for that, Juliana. I'm particularly interested in your master's degree in geographical information systems, which yes. you very helpfully simplified as dealing with maps. Um, can yes. you tell us a little bit more about it and and what you're doing during your master's degree? Because I think that that's really interesting. Okay, sure. So um, geographical information systems is basically just um, creating digital maps. So in the past, people were creating maps by physically drawing them. And obviously that would take way too long. So now with the development of technology, geographical information, ge geographical information systems, or as we like to shorten it just to GIS, um, you're just creating maps using software and you could either make them 2D or 3D. Um, these days you're able to add things such as terrain. So like gentle land, sloping land, you know, um, rough terrain. It's really interesting. And for my masters, because GIS is such a broad, um, field, I'm specifically looking into, um, using GIS for land use cover change. So basically looking at how an area's, a specific area's um, land has changed over the years. So years ago, maybe um, I, I can use my masters, for example, the area that I'm working with currently is a forest, but maybe like more than 50 years ago, it wasn't a forest. Like it was just dry land and then people started planting trees and now it's a forest that is people are trying to protect right now because locals are using it aren't really using it in a sustainable way but you can't really blame them because they're not they don't have the proper education into how cutting down trees is actually really bad for the environment but basically i'm just looking at how um 
when the forest started to grow, how it started to deteriorate because of the way the locals were using it and now how it's growing back to what it used to be and, and different ways that we can protect it so that they can still use the trees for what they need to use it for, but in such a way that the forest isn't in danger. Wonderful. That sounds like, firstly, a really interesting topic, but secondly, really, really valuable now um, to to protect, well, all forms of of wildlife and biodiversity. Um, So that's, that's fascinating. It's mm-hmm. uh, it, it sounds simple, you know, drawing maps, but yeah. it's a very, very complicated topic, isn't it? Yeah. But it's really helpful to hear how you implement that knowledge um, in a real yeah. world situation. Yeah. And it's essentially GIS just helps with the fact that you don't have to physically go to the location and do any sort of census or figure out um, what type of soil is in that forest. You could um get that information from um your data online mm-hmm. so yeah because sometimes you want to work on a place like say now if it's the amazon forest and that's all the way in south america but mm-hmm. with gis and satellite images it makes it easier for you to and also the use of google earth that's a really big help mm-hmm. um you can work in any on any area you'd like yeah amazing well firstly i hope that that there is more focus on the amazon rainforest because obviously it's been uh under attack um since bolsonaro's been in uh, in power so hopefully wonderful technology and and knowledge that that you're gaining and and working towards building um that's that's available to the people that need it there or maybe you'll be You'll be uh, traveling around the world and saving different rainforests in future, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So um, I remember you. when you when we first met and you told me about this topic, and I was like, oh, "We need to hear more about this." So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing all about this particular topic and how how valuable it is, how much you're helping the the locals to you know farm in a more sustainable way get what they need but also in a way that doesn't negatively impact the environment that's super yes. yeah all right there's lots of other um hobbies that you you have as well yeah. and they are different to the other teachers that we've got on our team already so i really <laughs> wanted to to ask you more about them so you list your hobbies as video editing um Specifically yes. adding music to videos and also dancing. Yes. So tell me about these things and uh, <laughs> how did you get into them? So um, I think with the dancing, I've always enjoyed dancing ever since I was younger. Uh, just found myself constantly doing it when I was alone. But um, then social media came along and uh, I realized that before this was before TikTok, maybe just of Instagram, I realized that when I would dance online and like just post a video online, that's when I would get the most engagement and people liked it and encouraged me to do it more. So I was like, okay. And then um, TikTok came along during lockdown 2020 when the whole world was just stuck at home. So you had nothing else to do but just make TikToks. And then I think, (laughs) um, I think in 
creating those TikToks, but also realizing as I kept watching that people were making these cool edits and um, using whichever type of music they liked. I was like, okay, I could do this. And so that's when I started going on YouTube and figuring out, okay, what are the different editing apps I could use? The different, I already knew which music I liked because I'd always been making my own playlists here and there. So it was more about just learning how I could use the music that I liked and put it into videos that I liked um, creating. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so creative. And so mm-hmm. it sounds like you were doing TikToks before TikTok was a thing. <laughs> I mean, I was I was watching them a lot. I was still really shy to post. I think I only really got comfortable with the app this year, actually. Because um, I would post that there's a setting where you can post the video, but not no one can see. Uh-huh. And so it's basically just private for yourself. And then when I finally bought the confidence, it's weird. I was shy to post on TikTok, but I didn't mind posting on Instagram. But now I'm more <laughs> comfortable posting on on TikTok. Oh, great, great. I uh, yeah, it's it's taken me a long time. I'm not somebody who posts a lot on social media normally, mm-hmm. but uh, I started using LinkedIn as a way of you know um, sort of personal branding as well as uh, putting mm. the word out about intrepid English. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, I've, I've spoken about uh, her before, but a friend of mine now, Leah, Leah Turner, she's um, a bit of a LinkedIn queen and uh, she mm. really encouraged me to, to try with it. So uh, it's become a really nice influence on me, a really nice place to hang out, yeah. which I never thought I would say about social media because mm-hmm. I've always been quite, you know, wary let's say of, of yeah. social media so now having um quite a, a nice community of people who genuinely care um mm. you know recently I had some time off and uh my my LinkedIn buddies were reaching out to me how you doing I haven't seen mm. anything from you for a while I hope you're okay and um it was like oh there's genuine care people behind really care. these yeah exactly which yeah. which really is is my bag so um that's that's really nice uh but yeah posting on instagram and tiktok does not come naturally at all to me so hopefully you can teach Mm -hmm. me a few things (laughs) i'm not dancing though (laughs) (laughs) you just realize that because you think that the editing is complicated but it's really not especially because they've they've even made it easier where people literally create temp editing templates where you just have to slot in your videos and that's all you need to do you don't have to actively go and do the edits yourself so it gets easier and easier every day nice i am i went away for the weekend last weekend to the scottish highlands and uh had quite a few photos and videos so i used an app to Mm -hmm. edit them into a one minute video and I actually was really pleased the way it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can edit it with the timing of the music, it just has a really yes. sort of clean effect to it. And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. So, uh, yeah, I posted that on LinkedIn and uh, sent that to my, my family and friends who were like, did you do this? It's an app. It's a free app. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it helps you to do it. Um, but mm-hmm. I love trying new new things, you know, in terms of technology or 
um, in terms of music as well. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to geeking out with you about that. Uh, Not only do you love dancing, but you're into choreography. Is that right? Yes. Tell me about that. That is is on a very small scale. (laughs) But I realized that from TikTok, like a lot of people were just creating their own um, dances. So I was like, okay, I I know that when I'm listening to my music, I can l- literally just zone out and then I'm like creating dances in my head and slightly like doing them um, <laughs> with my body, but I always have them in my head. So when I have like free time or when I do remember that, oh, hey, I had this, you know, these few steps in my head, let me try them out. I'll do them and then film them so that I can watch them back and see how I can like change something here, you know, tweak something there. So yeah, I haven't taught anyone any of my dances, but they're still for myself. But yes. So let's talk about languages. Uh, you speak a few languages, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about them? Okay, so um, the language I speak the most and that I know very well is English. Um, I'd say because of the schools that I went to, um, were predominantly English-speaking schools, so that is why. But I have, I can speak a little bit of Luganda. I'm still going to lessons for it because... I think um, growing up, I was very insecure about the way I was pronouncing certain words. So I always stayed away from not speaking it, which I now regret because I would have been really good at it at this age. Mm -hmm. But um, I do understand it though um, pretty well. And then Kosa, it's the same. I I would say I understand it. I understand Luganda more because that's what I was exposed to most. But Tosa, I learned from the the nanny that used to take care of me, um, the shows that she used to watch, because I spent most of my time with her when I was younger. Um, so just learning from there, picking up certain ways, and also because um, most, not most African languages, but maybe like East Africa and Southern Africa, you will notice that their languages are pretty similar because of Bantu. So there are some words in Kosa that are the same in Luganda and even in Zulu. So I find that very interesting. I find that really cool that there's a similarity between um, most of the languages. It's just different things that they've changed, obviously. Mm. Yeah, you get that a lot with European Mm. languages as well. There's a lot of words Mm -hmm. that English was borrowed from French and, um, Mm. you know, Germanic languages as well. Um, yeah. yeah, but then sometimes that can be a bit difficult because you've got things like false friends where you think, yeah. oh, I know that word, but actually mm-hmm. it means something slightly different because the languages have evolved differently. So yes. it can sometimes be a little bit of a false sense of security where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, yeah, I understand that word. Um, yeah. And then it's it's difficult to unlearn that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like um, I had some friends because here in South Africa, we have a language called Afrikaans which is obviously um, came about from Dutch. Mm. So sometimes you think that, yeah, I know you basically, you feel like you know Dutch, but 
that you realize okay it's actually really different mm-hmm. yeah it's changed over the years yeah can be yeah. kind of misleading mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um it, it might be that if you were to go to holland you would understand mm-hmm. a little bit of what people were saying probably from words and phrases here and there but mm. the ability to speak it would be very different yeah even yes. now i my when i because i learned german years ago when okay. i go to germany i can understand so much more than i can actually say thank you because mm. i understand the, the the main words the main vocabulary but the grammar yes. that glues it all together just <laughs> goes right over my that's, head so that's exactly what happens with me with um Luganda and Hossa because obviously I know the main words so I always have an idea of what they're saying but when it comes to structuring my own sentences that's why I'm going to lessons for the language so that I know how to do that myself mm, that's yes. great but as a teacher I think it's really mm-hmm. great that you're also a language learner because you're mm-hmm. you're learning Luganda with um, a teacher now aren't you yes uh, so that's great because it will inform your your teaching in a way I think really. yes Mm-hmm. It, it, it will because obviously I could use maybe the techniques that I'm using from that I'm learning from my teacher to teach the language that I want to teach myself yes. yeah I used to do that with my German lessons like oh that's a really mm-hmm. good idea can I do that yeah. in English for my students <laughs> yeah yes. that's great but generally I think having learned another language or in your case mm-hmm. several um it will help you to be more empathetic to the specific issues that language learners have as a teacher yes. it helps you to be generally more sort of i guess understanding or have mm-hmm. personal experiences that students can relate to which is always really yes. nice isn't it mm-hmm. yes um probably the um the most common feeling you have when you're learning a language is that you feel super, really discouraged when you're around people that speak the language so well Mm. but um and you know most people would be will just say yeah just read books just read books but i find that with any language when you read reading is the most difficult way to learn a language but when you have things good thing that um these days is tv shows and music and the fact that people are making music in their native language that helps a lot Mm, yeah so, absolutely and Sarah uh, and just surrounding yourself with people that will encourage you to speak the language and are okay with you making mistakes because um I know I had certain bits of family that I just didn't want to speak Luganda around because instead of helping me and encouraging me to try like if I got some if I said something correctly there was just laughs and giggles and that mm-hmm. didn't really make me feel good but now I have the facts parts of my family that I feel comfortable speaking around mm-hmm. and then also my teacher. So I think mm-hmm. just finding the right people to help you is also really important. 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree mm-hmm. more. I think um, many students come to us for one-to-one English lessons because mm-hmm. they dislike the pressure of a, a group class group. where they yeah. feel like people will judge them for making a mistake. Um, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately sometimes people do, even though they're in the process of learning something. It does take quite a lot of vulnerability to to make mistakes, doesn't it? So having a one-to-one lesson with an understanding teacher, especially one who's either been through her own learning journey or is going through Mm -hmm. her own language learning journey now, um, Mm -hmm. 
that that's really it takes the pressure off yeah i think definitely one-on-one is better until you get to a point where you feel comfortable being in groups because you also at the end of the day you can't learn anything in isolation so yeah when you get to that point where you feel comfortable and also not caring what people think that's when you can you know take things seriously (laughs) It's so hard to do that, though, isn't it? Mm. I mean, we all care what, what people think. But um, like you said to me earlier when I was trying to pronounce um, Berha, is that right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, the new <laughs> word for um, Port Elizabeth uh, is yes. renamed recently. You know, y- you're like, at least you're trying. You know, you're trying to yeah. say it correctly. And I think a lot of people mm. think that about others who are speaking a second language. They mm-hmm. think, oh, wow, you know, that's great. And they're... And, you know, at least they're trying. Um, yes. But unfortunately, um, people who are speaking a language, they, they uh, a second language, they focus only on the, the people that, that ridicule them or make fun of them or something, yeah. or people who are better than them. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of people will silently be quite impressed, but they're trying. Mm-hmm. So you've told us about some of your hobbies and interests. And there's another one that I'd really like to ask mm-hmm. you about. Um, mm-hmm. You are into fashion, aren't you? And you used to do yes. some modelling. Yes, I did. I'm actually quite tall. I'm a tall person. And so I'm tall and slender. So when I was in high school, I was always asked if I had, if I was a model, if I'd done modelling. And um, the answer was No. But because I kept being encouraged to do modeling and to give it a try, um, I started looking into it and realized, okay, I do enjoy taking pictures and I am photogenic and I don't feel, I feel comfortable in front of the camera. <laughs> so why not give it a try? So I entered this competition, um, got scouted, and that's when I started modeling. And... Um, one thing I did. That's when I started modeling. It's a really fun. It is a fun um, industry. It one thing for sure is that it teaches you confidence because obviously you um, do get um, a lot of rejection, just as much as um, acceptance. Obviously, but it teaches you about rejection. And I learned about rejection at an early age because um, of the modeling that I started. I hadn't started applying for jobs yet. So obviously now at this age when I'm applying for jobs, I don't feel as affected when I don't get the response that I want to get. It taught me a lot of people skills because you work with a lot of people on set. You have people touching you on your face, dressing you photographer this that and um just being confident and working with different types of clients and uh, what else are you teaching to me oh independence because you are, you're moving around by yourself a lot you're having to fly to this city and that other city and you're living by yourself and you're also transporting by yourself a lot so you just learn how to become independent at the age. So I'm glad that I started it at that time. Um, most people, when they go into modeling, love fashion as in with clothes, but I don't think it was the fashion that I liked about um, the fashion that drew me to modeling. I think it was the fact that I enjoy catwalking and I wanted 
the, I think the goal with modeling was afterwards to become a scout or a, an agent to help people get into the industry as well. And then maybe if I developed a passion for design later on, I wouldn't mind giving that a try. But it was mainly just because I liked um, finding that specific look that they found in me in other people. Yes. Yeah. So my, it may be a misconception, but my, Mm -hmm. my perception of modeling industry globally is that it can be quite a toxic place. Um, Mm. that, that wasn't your, was that your experience? I know it definitely can be toxic because, you know, some people, uh, um, toxic is things that maybe the agency that you're working with, they always wanting you to change something so sometimes you think that there's something wrong with you even though no it's not that there's something wrong with you it's just that in that particular season they know that clients are looking for this a specific look and so because they want you to fit that look they'll say okay maybe you change your hair like this or um this little weight there and you know the best thing is to just not get attached to any sort of look that you have. So I guess it can, it can be toxic in that way. Mm, yeah. yeah. But then you say that it, it instilled confidence in you. Um, so, so that's good. I guess from what I've, I've read, obviously my yes. modeling career did not take off. <laughs> I, I've read that, um, you know, younger, younger people, uh, younger girls generally, um, you know, it, it's, it's difficult for them to build their confidence when people are mm. focusing on, on the deficits or their yes. perceived deficits. Um, but, uh, yeah, it sounds like you had, you had a good experience and, it actually instilled some really cool values in you. So that's, that's unusual yeah. and, and, and quite good. Yeah, I think also just being, um, I'm also really happy that I started modeling in a country where they are, um, I would say, models my skin tone. Because I think if I had started somewhere in Europe, it does, I know it does get to you when you're the minority and you're not booking as much. So building the confidence here to get me ready for Europe, which is where I wanted to, um, where I want to um, eventually go. That also mm-hmm. helps. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's true of, of of most industries as well, isn't mm-hmm. it? If you're if you're the minority in that that mm-hmm. company or that department or team, even that could be quite you know destructive in many ways. Yeah. So that's why why diversity is so important to make people feel yeah. more. Well, welcome. Um, yes. I think, yeah, and then and then yeah. everyone wins. Okay, Juliana, there's one thing I always ask new teachers um, at the end of their Meet the Teachers podcast, and that is okay. if you've got any advice for English learners, um, but it could be advice of any kind mm-hmm. for for mm-hmm. success in life. And what would you like to to pass on to the audience before we leave today? Um, one thing I like to pass on is that don't limit you, yourself to what you know, only to what you know. I think yeah, as someone growing up since high school, I only knew two things that I was good at, and that was modeling and geography or geosciences. And I stuck with those two things for during my undergrad. But I got to a point where I was just like, you know what, I want to branch out. It's important to branch out and realize what else you could be good at. 
And a great example is learning another language. You could yeah. start off there. And then from there, learning different skills, like how I did with my video editing and dancing. And you don't always have to be perfect at those things. And you don't always have to monetize those things. Because I realize in today's world, we, people are always trying to monetize their hobbies. But it doesn't have to get to that point. It's just making sure you step out of your comfort zone is really important. And not mm. caring what people think before you start any of those things. Because if you care about what people think, then it's not going to make the make it any enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I love that advice. Yeah, mm. um, it's true. These days we are encouraged to monetize all of our hobbies, aren't we? But mm. um, yeah, doing something for the joy of doing it, not for the validation that not other people me. can bring, but for the joy of doing it i think that that's yeah. such an important thing to learn i'm still learning that <laughs> and yeah. uh I, I i hope that i i one day get a bit better at it but you know mm -hmm. it's it's absolutely valid to do something just because you enjoy it um, yes. and if you can do that then you will probably end up making progress faster mm -hmm. than if you had these strict goals and put lots of pressure on yourself to yes, achieve these, these end goals in time yeah, people can always tell when you're doing something for the wrong reasons. So you, mm. it's better you enjoy it and know that you're doing it because it's something you love. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What a great note to end the podcast on. Thank you, Juliana. All <laughs> Thank right. Thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you and I look forward to many more conversations. <laughs> yes, me too. Okay, this was bye. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 Um, and it, and it's, I wasn't saying it right, was I? Uh, um, Pebeja, yes. Pebeja. So the emphasis yes. is on the second syllable, is it? Yes. Okay. Pebeja. Yes. Oza? Oza? Sorry. I'm trying. <laughs> You're close. Okay, I'm getting there. I'm not used to looking better than most. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Intrepid English Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did recording it. Juliana would love to meet you, so feel free to drop her a line or book a free trial lesson on the Intrepid English website. We hope you have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.